Hey, welcome to the Circle of Salt, the podcast where we use our snark to protect the occult community from itself and others. Circle of Salt is brought to you by Felix Warren, aka Dot Ass, and Rune Emerson, aka Tarot Cards. Tarot Cards for Negaduck. I love that. <laughs> that is so me. Uh, anyways, uh, yeah. so just so you know, um, Circle of Salt's website is at circleofsaltpodcast.tumblr.com, and that's where you can go for updates about the podcast and to ask us questions, as well as to find links to our blogs. Um, if you like Circle of Salt, it would be great if you would review us on iTunes or your other podcast listening place of choice, and tell your friends and neighbors and blog about the podcast and uh do some kind of instagram animation i guess like what are the kids doing like snapchat it snapchat the podcast i don't know how you do that all right no idea i'm in my 30s um oh my god you are you're the crypt keeper yes (laughs) gosh that's like really cool anyway um So if uh, if you like us, review us, tell us everybody about us, and um, if you don't like us, then don't say anything. Yes, keep quiet. Just keep it silent, and don't tell anyone about your guilty pleasure. Anyways. Yeah, observe like the the fourth pillar of the witch's pyramid. Exactly. Uh, so. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, it's our first installment. <laughs> I, as you guys can probably tell, I'm really exhausted. It's the first week of November-ish, moving out of the first week of November, and I am just now finished with all of our Halloween and Samhain prepara- er, plans and everything. And I'm super exhausted, so I'm not scanning so well, so if I get all screwed up, uh, apologies. Anyways, um, so... Let's go ahead and move into our first installment, affectionately called Hekas Hekas Este Bullshit. Uh, today's Dish of Salt is brought to you by both of us, and it is entitled Get the Fuck Off Our Lawn. So, do you want to start or shall I? Um, I think you've got a great story. Let's just, like, let's talk about where we're coming from and... I'll talk about where I'm coming from here, and then you can talk about where you're coming from, and that can go into your story, because your story kind of, I think, comprises the most of this. Great! That's a great idea. Let's do it. So I'll have, like, kind of, I don't know, a a mini-story, I guess. So, um, my experience in community goes back to 1996, when I... got into Neo-Wicca with my roommates in a uh, high school that was a boarding school. So, uh, sort of like the craft, except completely not that, and in South Louisiana. So, completely like that, then? Like, just, but not like that. But actually, kind of, we did actually have a Nancy. Um, and did you carry, like, animals in plastic bags and stuff? No, actually, that was against... There were so many rules that we had to observe in the dormitories. Um, we had to... Uh, actually, we had a RA that would um, store our candles because um, be, since, you know, Wicca was religious, we right. could go do our, our coven circles behind the dorm um, and get our candles from the, the RA and then give them back to her after we were done. Like, you actually had a, like, a, in Louisiana? 
they allowed you to do Wiccan ceremonies at a boarding school in Louisiana. So the okay, I cannot talk too much about this uh, this situation because then um, it, it will be very easy to identify where I came from. Uh, <laughs> Does it violate the, the code of silence? There's a it violates the Felix NDA. Oh. Um, but let's just say that this school was a more liberal institution than most places in Louisiana. Okay. Well, all right then. So, did, did you have more? Um. Gosh. Yeah. Like that just sort of segued into the Craftville. Um, I was gonna say, like, suddenly we are. I don't know. Suddenly, I'm Robin Tunney, or actually, can I be I, Rochelle? I liked her best. She was the one that was the least stupid. <laughs> she was. She was like the least stupid. I mean, they were all stupid, but she was like the least stupid. Yeah, I don't even know where I fit in the craft. You could be Lirio. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. You can run the store. Yeah, her, maybe. except, like, well, much more sarcastic. And, you know, maybe not, like, a Sumpa Cerna. <laughs> and, like, kind of going out of my way to light my candles by hand instead of through Hollywood magic. Why? I mean, if you can do it, why not? <laughs> I just get pissed off whenever movies that are like, you know, this is the right way to do things, and then the teenagers are doing the wrong way, but the right way that they're showing is not actually the IRL way, nearly at all. You know, I actually kind of, I don't know, like, I don't think anybody's doing it the right way, except me and my people. I just, like, it's like, it's it's more of a, it's not really an ethical thing for me, it's actually more of a story crafting critique. Oh, like okay, because like well, this is are, an actual like yeah, art you do criticism. Write fiction, so yeah, I just like it, because the plot device is just so transparent to me that like it distracts me. Anyway, um, I've had a lot of time to think about the craft since I watched it in uh, that dorm room way back then, whenever I was sixteen. Uh, <laughs> So many years ago. <laughs> like, all of my friends were also dealing the same critiques to the craft, and we just sort of felt, like, kind of, like, big for being able to critique it. Like, we felt so much more knowledgeable about neo <laughs> Oh, dear. I know. Like, so I'm, I, I like, I want to, like, just kind of admit that, like, I had, like, that's where I started, was there. Was with neo and the craft? And, yeah, like, with, like, you know, my teenage friends being very teenaged. Same. Um and you know, some people never stop being very teenaged, um, which I think is kind of like the, the the hardest part about community. Because like I thought people would kind of grow up. Because like as I got older, you know, I got into college, and then that's when I got into ceremonial magic. Um, and I also got into Discordianism at the same time. Um, and if you're a Discordianism, if you're a Discordian, then that works completely fine. Um, well, and, and we were sort of we were sort of told that people grow up. I mean, like all the literature literature and like the people that we were talking to back in that period of time you know yeah all the narratives like have you getting gradually more boring well i didn't hear that it was so so much as you you become wise and certain things which are absolutely astonishing to you become old hat and all this kind of stuff but it's also this idea that like they had this whole mythic story of how people are supposed to become, you know, like that whole, like, Wiccan Maiden Mother Crone concept, you know, like... Oh, yeah, yeah, you're coming of age. Yeah, and, like, I I don't know, I don't... Not only has that not happened for me, uh, but I don't think it's happened for anyone else, either. 
I think it's it's about an idyllic kind of way of living, and I think that is like that is a there's a I I feel it's a valid critique of community, um, and we're still in the salt section, so we're just kind of mowing back and forth. Um, Like a a valid critique of community is that a lot of neo pagan community and and witch community by extension of Wicca and all that kind of congealing together, like a lot of that community still has this this assumption that our lifestyles are compatible with this idyllic imagining of how people lived back then. Right. Very similar to like, if you're friends with people from the SCA. Yeah. Or just like really rich people. Um, right. <laughs> just like really rich people. <laughs> I don't know. They can afford to do this shit. You know, I, I, I haven't seen a whole lot. I mean, okay. So the, the pagan community out here is rather large and extensive, but it isn't populated by people who are terribly privileged, except that they're white. So like literally most of the people in Reno who are part of the pagan community are white. There's a very small amount of of minority representation or diversity uh, of any kind in the community. It's mostly cis, hetero, white. Um, But they're not privileged white. Like they're not wealthy in the slightest, quite the opposite. I make more money than they do. And I am a card reader for God's sake Um, in Reno. Uh, (laughs) So no. (laughs) Um, And a lot of them are not... um, I don't know, like, they're just kind of stuck in whatever place they were going. They're just getting older in that place. So, but they do have this kind of, there's a lot of escapism that goes on in the community. Um, In case anybody hasn't recognized this, this particular set of dish is about pagan and occult communities. I I just want to say that now, when I probably should have said it a little bit ago. But, um, yeah, like... What we're basically dishing about right now is communities, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And that's kind of what we're doing here. Um, and the kind of stance that both Felix and I have at this point in our lives is very similar to what a lot of pagans and a lot of witches and a lot of occultists and a lot of ceremonialists, which Felix is going to talk about a little bit more in a minute here, um, have kind of gotten to over the years, which is they're kind of hermity. They're kind of get the fuck off my lawn. And for good reason, and we're gonna we're gonna extrapolate and expand on that. Yeah, how do you how do you do this whenever you're also, um, I don't know, like I guess every magical person is in some way a curmudgeon. Yes. Is there anyone who's not? Well, you know, and I find that there are certain different certain kinds of magical practitioners who lend themselves very firmly to being kind of, you know, curmudgeon-y, being kind of yeah. Hermity. I thought about it, and I, I can think of plenty of people who are not curmudgeon-y, who are still magical, like you know, in the magic community. Yeah. Um, I th- but yeah, I think that it does go hand in hand with certain approaches. Right, and I always tell people that people who who ground themselves in witchcraft as their practice, one of the benefits of being a witch that I personally consider to be one of the only real like major benefits of practicing witchcraft over other kinds of magic is that witches work very well in groups. Um, when they are capable of getting outside of their own garbage, they work incredibly well in groups because one of the things that goes on in witchcraft is um, accepting the world for how it is, interacting with the world for how it is, and not all of this reality revision where you're redefining how the world works um, like they do in various forms of sorcery. Um, There's not a whole lot of paradigm shift like you have with chaos magic. Um, There's and it's not all about the dictums or laws of a particular deity because witches are often 
secular. They're often not even necessarily given towards working with gods. Um, so they tend to rely on each other because they're magic and really the only people who understand them are other people who have the same problems or similar ones. So they tend to work really well in groups where I see wizards of various types, sorcerers, um, I, I see people involved in various different kinds of communities who don't actually get along very well at all and don't work together. Like um, my connections to the, the hoodoo community, they don't do hoodoo work together unless it's underneath a strong leader. And um, that's not necessary in witchcraft. Witches band together because even the most introverted of us, myself included, are naturally given towards like a yearning towards social connection. I mean, part of what we are is about being the kind of outskirts pariah. And I know that there are going to be a lot of you listening who are like not of that particular inclination and are going to think, well, now Rune's just talking bullshit because that's not how I feel about it. But I actually want you to know you're in uh, you're in a, a completely different kind of environment there because this has been something that I have experienced over the course of almost 20 years i have interacted with probably over a thousand people uh individually over the years and um yeah witches work well in groups they like to be in groups they just don't like people having the ability to um boss them or or decide how they're supposed to do things they don't like people who feel that they have the right to get up in their business so they like to be in control of who comes in and who doesn't but that's been my experience anyway uh and that's kind of where i'm going to be talking from but i interrupted felix so go to felix talk about your story sorry um yeah i'll just like kind of join in right here um so yeah starting in college discordians and ceremonial magicians at the same time and um and of course some chaos magic because you like if you went into either of those two you bumped into chaos magic at this point right um this was around whenever chaos magic was still uh i guess a peter carroll thing mostly like i'm not actually that fluent in a lot of like the chaos magic community evolution stuff but in the this was um like the late 90s um and i was like reading old usenet posts Okay. Um, and then interacting with like people in forums and on LiveJournal. So, oh, so back when Chaos Magic was really super edgy. Chaos Magic was still, um, like, it was, we talked a lot more about complex stuff, and there was a lot more science involved, okay. is how I feel. Um, was there actual science, or was it like the... the like people the... Were who, who had actually studied quantum mechanics and stuff like that. I don't know if this is like a back when I was your age kind of thing, or... Like not towards you, but like, if this is just like an like a like an aged remark, something that dates me. But I kind of feel like the forums that we used to be a part of when we were young, like have a lot more substance than the the online discussion I run into now. It's really hard to like. So okay, if I'm on Tumblr, there's no real way for me to like hone it down to like you know any kind of one community. Like it's just all like kind of all these people in a room who might talk about the same thing. Right. Um, and I feel like that about a lot of social media like it, you have to go find another forum basically to get the forum experience again you have to go find the same thing uh, right so you basically <laughs> have Facebook to go track group, it which down. is the same thing which and see i have a trouble with the facebook groups i'm a part of because most of them just tend to be about bitching you know and so so i basically 
I started trying to get into the the Discordian and um, Chaos Magic and Ceremonialist communities around the like 1999 and then very early 2000s, and I like could not find any headway. No one would take me seriously, um, and no one seemed to have a sense of humor, which was very disappointing because like I I read the Principia Discordia, and one of my takeaways was that. Um, being pretentious about how you're doing everything right was the exact opposite of what I was supposed to do. <laughs> okay. Um, unless you were trying to be spiteful, which is okay too, but you should know you should be aware of the irony, not unaware of it. And so basically, everyone that I would bump into in this community, people who like their only substance in the community was repeating stuff. Yeah. You know, just repeating material and repeating the same jokes from other people even. Um just just to to get some sort of recognition or I was getting people who were like anytime I'd ask a question or like, you know, present like uh, something that I was working on, like I would get these like accusations of like not being studied enough. Um you would be like, accused of not being smart because you're asking questions. Like basically educated? Like they wouldn't, they didn't think that my questions were um, good questions. Um, okay, so I and my pr they didn't think that the the problems I was trying to solve were problems worthy of anyone's attention. Okay, so what did they prefer? Um, they preferred basically coughing up the same ritual over and over again. Dude, um, that is something that drives me. You know what? I don't miss that. I do not miss that. Or just I like discussing, like you know, like they discussed old texts over and over again. And, like, you know, how did you replicate this this one ritual from this one book? And, like, um, that kind of stuff they approved of. They also approved of uh, anything involving, you know, white, hetero, male-oriented sex. Really? Um, like, any of that kind of material usually was, like, totally approved. Because all, all of these circles were overpopulated by straight guys. See, and this, I don't know, I... I'm primarily, I, I primarily come from the neo-pagan and, like, the neo-wiccan and the, the trad witch communities. So, like, most of the people I interacted with were women, and they were, I swear to God, the, like, the most, um, I don't know how you would even explain it, but, like, incredibly social posts. Everything is, like, a very social engagement. Um... Yeah, there was a lot of white domination in that in that community, um, but I didn't run into the stodgy, and I didn't run into like the pervy. Very and so often. that's the thing. If I went back to the witch community in Baton Rouge at the time, I would get what you're describing. Right. So I guess. And I noticed at the time, like the the huge gender disparity between these different schools of magic. And there is. It's a very drastic difference. You know, someone wrote a a, a series. Um, Kelly Armstrong wrote an amazing series uh, called Women of the Other World and in it the, the witches are women and sorcerers are men it's like a racial gender thing and um, so like, like Harry Potter? no no like um, like oh like an actual different uh, like class of magic exactly they have completely different magic they can learn each other's magic to a degree but a witch will always be better at witch magic and a sorcerer will always be better at sorcerer magic and there are no female sorcerers and there are no male witches and um so that was kind of there are no trans people right apparently not um but it was interesting because she was kind of doing this as kind of i like from 
from my uh, my my reading of it, I'm pretty sure she was doing this as sort of a um, a tongue in cheek sort of like finger point at the community and kind of a call out on the see you guys see it this is what you like this is what you're looking like and this is how you look because like the witches were persecuted and the sorcerers were behind it and so the sorcerers were all these urbane like corporate climber types with lots of money and lots of prowess and success and like community acclaim and all this kind of stuff and they like ran huge mafia like businesses they were they were um cabals of mafia business and then like the witches were like baking circles and like dowdy white and blue dresses with daisies on them and like you know women who were essentially it was just women and they all aged into Susie homemakers and it was really terrible um and that was the point like the main character of of a couple of the books was trying to reinvigorate what witchcraft was about and she was cast out because of it it was really neat um uh and it kind of reminded me of the disparity between the various different magical communities because i was a part of some left-hand path-based communities because of my connections with the vampire community and then i was also a part of some neo-pagany kind of communities that would look at vampires and go oh and you know clutch their pearls but the two communities were very similar kind of dynamics to these books and i was just like wow i guess kelly armstrong really kind of knows her community so it was really interesting um that sounds like a <clears throat> at least a um a knowledgeable critique of it was it like it and, and like, it, in very, like any kind of any kind of nose. community that came out of the new age it didn't have to be any specific one it was and it, and it was very on the nose and i really liked that um anyway uh i'm gonna so i've got an idea yeah I think that we should spread our salt throughout the entire podcast over the discourse. Okay. And just kind of go from there because I notice our salt has not contained itself. No. I'm going to take that as an omen that we need to have salt everywhere. Much salt. I agree. Okay, so let's just let's just let this this conversation migrate because it's hitting all the areas that we want to hit. Okay, but like I kind of want to tell my story. Yeah. And I'm going to get to that cuz I'm about to get to the Your end story. of my bit. Okay, go. Um, so, yeah, I encountered, um, a pretty awful community when I tried to interact with the online, um, Chaos Magic, Discordian, and Ceremonial Magic communities. Um, I found a couple of people to talk to who were interesting or nice, or, you know, worked out for a little bit, and then later on ended up being kind of psychos. Um, yeah. You know, you get <laughs> the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I had, I basically, I had some in-person community um, in Baton Rouge, but I was not able to stay there regularly. I was only able to be there, like, maybe uh, once every two months. Okay. So it meant that I really was never, I was never directly connected with anybody in person, and I felt very tangential to everybody, and I was involved more with its online drama than its in-person community. Um which I think really magnifies things way too much. Like, this was before Facebook, because this was in the late 90s. Um, like, you know, 99, 2000 era. Um, yeah. And so, you know, the drama was happening over um, Yahoo mailing lists and message boards and LifeJournal. Uh, <laughs> the drama's always happening, but I find that it was uh, not as fast-paced online as it is now. 
Right. Um, as not as broadcast. That is true. Everything is a bit more public, and everything is a bit more swift. I remember yeah, having I to think wait it, days for responses to things. Yeah, and so I, I think it could have been worse back then, basically. But it, like, it was already like kind of bad because like I, I never really had this stable intersection with a community that was really healthy. Whenever I tried to find online community back then, and so what I did is that I left any kind of magical community for ten years. Right. Um, and then slowly tried to find people after deciding, hey, it's it's time to come back. Like, and so that was 2003. I decided to just you know fuck off. Right. Um, and 2013 is whenever I got on Tumblr. <laughs> right. So yeah, that's where I'm leading up today. Where I'm still a solitary practitioner. Um, I have people over for like group things sometimes, or I go to their group things sometimes. We hang out, we we chill, um, like we know each other, but we wouldn't be called a coven. Um, and like you know, shout out to PDX Witch Guild, um, and that's kind of the level of community that I'm at now. Right. That. You know, and I think that's perfectly all right to be at that level of community because I find like the reason I'm at this level is because that's what I can handle right now um, as a introverted person um, and someone who's dealing with like um, a lot of things at once. Like community takes a lot of time and a lot of of energy, and um, if you don't have that, then and you try to do it anyway, you're gonna hit burnout and you're gonna like it's not gonna be a good experience. And that because that's been your experience. Yeah, and so basically, I um, I invest what I can in community right now. I want to at some point get to the point that that Rune is at, and he's going to talk more about. And you've already kind of gotten some idea already, yeah. I think, about it. Um, because that's like more connection with people. Like you're right. Like witches do work well together, and they're very powerful when they work together. And I would like to do more of that. Well, um, and you it know, just t- takes some work to do to get there. You know, my experience with that has been that like the power of your work isn't necessarily like better just because you're working with a group of people. Well, um, I'm not really about more power so much as I like you know I want the experience. Right, but like, well, this is more me saying that to the audience. Um, so for those of you who are 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 interested in being a part of communities because you think that it's going to make you stronger. It will, but through adversity and through experience, not through um, their backing you up makes you stronger. Um, one of the things I always tell my students is that a witch is a witch alone, and her powers are going to have to be sufficient alone, and the, the benefits from hanging around other people and interacting with them is the ability to get them to assist you in small areas, small things, you know, do favors and so on and so forth. But if all you're looking for is power, people are not your solution. In fact, actually they are the the active and major detractors to a person's like mystical development. If you're focused on other people, if you're focused on safety and numbers and, you know, strength in, in community and stuff like that, um, you're going to actually be crippling some of your magic. And that's why I tell my students that. Uh, Because witches need to be able to cast any kind of a spell that they need to be able to cast on their own. And working with groups is really only because everybody has the same kind of goal and they want to work together to make it happen. So that will make, like, um, 
many hands make light work, it doesn't mean that the work changes and it doesn't mean that you couldn't have done it by yourself. But Yeah, I will say like doing work together that I have been able to to do whenever I've like managed to, to be at a coven meetup, um, and be in circle, like just because I was doing group work with other witches did not make the lifting lighter. Right. Like you're still putting in the same work. Because that's like kind of the point. <laughs> exactly. That's the whole point. And so like whenever anybody goes into that whole thing about like, well, this needs a coven of witches, it doesn't. You know, it doesn't matter what it is. Uh, that just sounds so cool, though. Exactly. It's mostly about personal aesthetic on that one. And it's the same kind of attitude that people um, who do that coffee clutch thing and do that escapism thing with the whole idyllic, I want to live like the ancient Wiccans are supposed to have lived, even though there aren't any ancient Wiccans. And I want to live at the bottom of a well. Uh, that's great <laughs> i don't even know where that came from but like it's very witchy <laughs> that sort of escapism that like people who involved with renaissance fairs and and um sca which by the way just so everyone knows i'm a huge fan i love doing fairs they're so much fun but there is a lot of escapism in witchcraft in paganism specifically in like the movements of paganism and neo-paganism um on the religious and cultural level not necessarily on the actual like mystical and occult training level there's a lot of escapism in it though which is why we get questions like can you teach me a spell to turn into a mermaid the reason actually why felix and i run this podcast is to provide a little bit of a reality check we are sort of like we're salty because very much like Lot's wife from the Bible, we looked back and saw too much and transformed into pillars of salt. And we're trying to use that for the, for the benefit of the community. Don't, don't do what we did. And I just want to say that if you are that person who asked for that spell, I, please reach out, Google Professional Mermaid. Your world is already here. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> But I, you know, like, honestly, that particular kind of thing drives me nuts. Um, not because I think that people who have flights of fancy are in some way, like, stupid or bad or anything, or that they're doing us a disservice because they're, because this is something I hear all the time, that they're doing us a disservice because their flights of fancy are making us all look bad. That's not true. That's not true. And anybody who tries to say that to you is trying to control you. I dislike it only because it reminds me too much of myself and in areas that I'm still trying to grow past. So when you send a question about how, can I become a mermaid and how do I cast a spell to be able to breathe underwater, um, I think back to the times when I used to want things like that and used to imagine that one day I would erupt with wings or horns or some shit. And I look back at that and I feel bad. Um, I haven't grown up, I haven't become the, the wise elder of the idyllic vision that we have spoken of, um, but I have recognized that there are some things that are not real in the way that I wanted them to be. And not all of them are fanciful, either in like the, the fantasy section of the library. Um, some of them are actually just things I wish people would do. Things I wish about being in a community. For example, the story I'm going to tell. Yeah, because I, I think this is where you go on and tell that, because I've already kind of finished with, and then I joined Tumblr, and here we are. Right. So let me tell you guys a story about community that recently happened. So 
I have been involved in a community out here in Reno for uh, approximately 13 years. Um, meaning I've been actively, like I've been involved in the community out here locally for like almost 20. But um, actually I think it's been over 20. But I've been involved in teaching my community, my part of the community, teaching my students and creating a, a section of the community that was focused on the stuff that I thought was important um, with various allies of that same community for about 14 years. And for the last 10, we've been doing a ritual uh, for the Sabbaths every, every, turn of the, every turn of the wheel. So that literally means that people from all different kinds of practices within the area come together under this umbrella of a sort of neo-pagan um, like sort of semi-Wiccan but not really Wicca allegiant um, uh, umbrella they've kind of come underneath this particular umbrella and we practice various different rituals that are important to us within the tradition that I practice the tradition I'm a member of and also the founder of um, Samhain is always the highest octane practice that we have it's always the biggest ritual and you can't get an invite to the ritual unless you've attended the others so that we can vet you and check and make sure that what we're going to do on Samhain isn't going to hurt you it has nothing to do with elitism and everything to do with efficiency and safety um, and that is why we put a lot of extra work into Samhain um, to keep it safe because it is usually very big a very big deal it's not normally that big a deal but the rituals that we do and the methods by which we do them are very big and they have a tendency to weigh on people and cause very big shifts we've had people spontaneously awaken gifts for seeing the dead um or you know for having psychic visions we've had people um spontaneously start doing possessory work with deities because they'd never seen it done in person before and the proximity caused them to waken gifts in themselves it was never like oh well you know we summon the devil and then he possesses someone random in the crowd it's nothing like that it's more like you see us doing something it feels familiar to you and then you just sort of naturally start doing it and then it goes wrong because of course you're not prepared to do it um and so we have we actually have staff on hand at every ritual at every Samhain to grab those people and take them to the side and be like let's help you figure this out um here's you know some remus lupin treatment for you know dealing with your dementor attack um kind of a deal they give you chocolate and they you know wrap you in a blanket kind of a deal but there are also people who are well versed in how to come down from ecstatic trance if you've just gone for the first time how to close off psychic centers if you've just opened them for the first time and so on all kinds of woo-woo crap and this has all been trial and error because the first few times we did the rituals we just did them and then fallout happened and this has all been about us adapting but because it's been such a high octane experience something that is absolutely undeniably an experience for every person who has ever attended nobody has ever walked away without a big experience because of that it's formed a very strong sense of community and camaraderie for the rest of us um, the ritual group that puts this on became a coven after a while um, one of the witches in the area runs this and she opened her own coven now her coven is helping her run it and I'm just there as sort of an adjunct um, Samhain was always my ritual 
and I kind of gave up rulership of it, like leadership of it. There's no rulership, but gave up leadership of it and kind of proprietary claim over it to people probably about two, three years ago, and now just kind of operate in an advisory capacity because I got really burnt out. Um, and they have done an amazing, remarkable job of keeping the traditions alive, varying the various different things that we do and making them more creative and more fun. And they've always been better ritualists than I am. Uh, so that's a little history. Um, we just had the Samhain ritual on the 27th this year, and um, it was very intense, as it always is. It's uh, We do a dumb supper, for those of you who are familiar with that. We um, communicate silently with the dead while we eat and share offerings with them and so on and so forth, um, and make space for the dead within our circle. It's a very common tradition for anybody who has been doing like Celtic neo-paganism. Um, and that's it's just it's a, a community tradition and so we kept it alive um we also do an oracle of the year that is performed by an oracle who does a drawing down or invocation of a deity often to the level of possession which means that you need somebody trained in doing that and i used to do that and did it this last time um as hecate's vessel and would call to hecate as as her priest um and do uh possessory work and i actually did that because I hate possession and um, have a personal moral kind of rejection of the practice and then for about three years a bunch of my students really liked the idea and wanted to do it so I had to kind of learn how it worked and teach it to my students and demonstrate how to do it healthily which means demonstrate how to um, how to handle it if things go wrong basically um, because they don't always but sometimes they do and basically, I, I provide them kind of a, a personal example of how to handle things. Um, and I do it largely so that they don't do it as amateurs and then hurt themselves. But it became sort of a common tradition, and so it just kind of became a community tradition where somebody would draw down, somebody would invoke on a, on a possessory level, and then they would allow, like the deity would speak to them and provide an oracle for the year. And so I did that uh, this year for the first time in two years, um, and we flubbed it. Um, the other ritual uh, staff, they, they are completely blameless in this. Um, me and my husband are to blame because we were out of practice. But it meant that at the end of it, I was very disoriented, loopy, and I already talked a little bit about this, I think, on another podcast. Um, if not, feel free to ask questions on my Tumblr, and I'll go ahead and fill you guys in. Uh, but after it was all over, I went home very disoriented, very unhappy, very uncomfortable, um, trying to kind of put myself back together. And in the ensuing chaos, something happened that was absolutely awful. Somebody, we have, one of our traditions is we give gifts from our practice to the, um, to the communal ritual. And then whoever does the drawing down, that deity selects gifts to give to people kind of hands out presents like santa claus except usually through lottery um and those those hallows we call them because it's based on the hallow tradition um those hallows are given to a new person because they were ready to pass on to another person and help keep the community tradition of magic alive somebody at the ritual and we have no idea who it was walked off with the gift of someone else who was at the ritual and we want to believe it was something accidental, but 
all signs are pointing towards it having been a deliberate act because all parties have been contacted and nobody is fessing up to having it nobody is um admitting to having seen anything and we have looked everywhere and it's gone it's just vanished like as if it had never been this is awful because it was um a, like a major breach of trust and the people who were doing this ritual they're one of the reasons why i wasn't doing the Samhain ritual was because we weren't doing them um we had taken a small brief hiatus and um the person who led the ritual this time had just recently become comfortable with opening her house to people again and allowing mm-hmm. people to come in and this happened like someone really sucks someone stole from one of her guests uh and that like is just a, a huge violation but the thing that really strikes me on this is someone was arrogant enough to steal a gift from a witch while in a witch's house surrounded by a bunch of witches after having just had a deity present and having a like a community ritual centered around witchcraft and we are not talking the nice fluffy kind you know like uh lemon bars and and bake sale kind of wiccans or pagans like there aren't even a whole bunch of wiccans actually in that group we're talking about non-wiccans who are more than comfortable with cursing and don't believe in a threefold law and are they walk into the club curse first (laughs) and i'm just like what kind of stupid is required to make a person do something this dishonest and arrogant because that's a special kind of stupid Um, But it was also a huge slap in the face because I have worked my ass off to make this community into a place that I am comfortable with because, for one thing, I'm an introvert. I I enjoy intimate connections with people. I enjoy intimate social engagement for brief brief amounts of time, and then I have to go home and recuperate. Um, I'm I'm not socially awkward. I'm socially adroit in most cases, but I am absolutely an introvert. And I also have very very low tolerance for dishonesty or dishonorable behavior or um shadiness in general um you don't do that to your friends my morality is very clan loyalty and so you don't do that to the people that you are close to it's just like you can you can hide things from people all you like you can uh, hell i don't even give a crap if you if you lie to people i won't but i don't care if you do as long as you never ever do it to the people that I am close to. As long as you don't ever do anything dishonest to the people I care about. Um, and it needs to be clear that you have a firm line there and you won't. Um, the problem is my morality and my sense of personal accountability and and my my sense of, uh, of, of, of honor and integrity are not shared by everyone. And when I say that mine is not shared by everyone, what I mean to say is that is a problem. Subjectively, I dislike the fact that people do not share my morality. But I can usually kind of be comfortable in a room where I I recognize that at least someone has morality and I can understand why they have it and I can understand where I'm at with them. That's usually enough. But this? Horrible. And this is one of the biggest reasons why I am 
hermity, why I avoid most community interactions. But this particular one was really hard because this community is a community of like everyone who was there are my close friends. They're all people I love. And so it was a huge slap in the face because now I'm over here going, well, who the hell am I supposed to trust now? So yeah. it just sucks. And this is one of the things that is one of the costs of community. But I really the, the reason it's so hard is because I really enjoy the company of these people. I really love this community and have been close to them for over a decade. And I don't want that to end. I don't want that to be destroyed by some asshole who has come in and decided that they don't care about any of our rules or our requirements. And so it's it's gotten to the point now where I'm like, well, maybe we just won't invite anybody new. But I'm not the person who gets to decide that. That's going to be the other group. Um, suffice to say, though, I do want to make it very clear to people, community has a lot of beautiful, wonderful things in it. And if you want to be a part of community... If you want to be a part of a of a witch's community, a community of occultism, you need as a cultist to develop a strong sense of of morality, a strong sense of of integrity and etiquette, and uh, and work with others who agree with that, and be loyal to each other, and make it a rule, and live for it, so that when something breaks down, you guys know what to do, because otherwise. You're going to get involved based on your ambition, based on your uh, idealism, and you're going to get yourselves screwed over. I've seen it go actually a different way as well, which is also a bad way. Okay. Um, when people don't really nail down what their morality is, like what is or isn't okay, right? Um, and instead just sort of walk around it without ever really addressing it. Mm-hmm. Just treating anything that disrupts that morality like an elephant in the room. Yeah. Um, then no, like it... it what that ends up turning into is that nobody talks to anybody about anything. Right, and that actually is something that's going on in the larger community of Reno as we speak, so you're absolutely right there. And one of the reasons why I am so loyal to the community that I'm a part of, the part of this, of Reno community that is that is mine, we don't do that kind of thing because we've seen it hurt people. We've seen, we've seen it cause us all to just lose our minds. Um, because we won't talk to anyone about it, we don't know who we can trust. And if you can't trust them, then you shouldn't be keeping company with them. But the problem with the term community is that communities are, by nature, not all people that you like. They're the people who you have things in common with, not necessarily the people you have affection for. Yeah, you don't really get, like, your wish list when it comes to community. Right, and so... You can kind of edit into something that's compatible with your wish list well but that's if you're, if you're willing to pay yeah. the price for it because you have to get involved in that community and its politics and manage yeah, it's just it. that it's it, you're basically going to be doing like either some kind of effort or some kind of magic or some kind of both right um Which are the same. you know it, it has a price it does and it's not going to just come to you it's not going to just just sort itself out like you know without anybody telling it um and it's a constant maintenance too. That's the other side of it. Like, if you want people to be honorable in your community, you have to stay on it because we were together. We've been together and been working together for ten years, and this has never happened before. It was such a shock. Um, we've never had. We've had people lie to each other. We've had people yell at each other and fight with each other and argue with each other and throw spells at each other and be dickheads to each other and do stupid things. But we have never had someone steal from another person in the circle such a blatant disrespect of of trust uh, 
Never. And in fact, all of those other cases where we had people lying to each other and hurting each other and being offensive, we took very strong steps and kicked those fuckers out of our community. Well, not out of the community, but like out of our circle. We stopped letting them come to things. Anytime someone has done anything shady or dishonest, we've kicked them out. So now we're looking at a, a, like a mass potential like expulsion of any new guests. Only the people that we know we can trust will be invited. And that is a lot smaller of a list than even the people who've been attending for several years even realize. It's a lot smaller of a list. So it's really sucky. And we'll have to, we'll have to work on it. But anyways, um, and the final decisions don't lie with me. Um, and I think, like, I'm one of the reasons I was glad you're going to tell this story is because what you're talking about and where it ends up is pretty realistic. Yeah, it's like a, this is the stuff you can expect to encounter these complicated problems whenever you are in a community. Or actually, I like that you said circle and then distinguish that from community because those two are separate. Right, and it's not like that. That community group is not a coven i want to make that very clear they have a coven that is in charge of things i have a coven that often steps in and assists because we are we're we, we're family we're clan um but the what the circle i'm discussing is like the circle of trusted individuals it's not um a it's not an oath bound thing or uh we would not consider ourselves to be a coven because we all individually have our own covens or our opinions on why we don't involve ourselves with covens um so no yeah but so not any specific like any official thing but what i mean is you've got a circle of and that's different people. than an entire community because an entire community is what you end up with whereas a circle is something like that you curate circle. exactly and that is something you curate exactly um and that's actually that kind of leads us to to the whole point of today's discourse our echo chamber azarak which is the origin story of the circle of salt we're going to share with you guys today why this particular podcast is a thing like not just our personal individual reasons of starting it but why this podcast kind of has grown and become the thing that it is um why we are the circle of salt and not something else so like primarily the reason why we put this whole thing together is defined by how we formulate our actual podcast episodes in the first place yes we're salty meaning we have snark and sarcasm and so on and so forth and that's part of our sense of humor um but we saw too much garbage the community the global community the local communities individually the ones we're a part of the ones we used to be a part of and so on and so forth there's way too much garbage that goes on and when i say garbage i mean throw it out I think I would say that I have experienced too much garbage. Agreed. Not we haven't just witnessed it from a distance. We've personally been a part of it. I have so many like I have so much PTSD from my interactions with the pagan community. Um and that is not an underestimation. I actually have a therapist. Um <laughs> anyway, uh I'm I am not exaggerating. I have PTSD from my interactions with the community. And part of the reason we run the circle of salt is so that we can provide a little bit of reality check to help combat some of these things but each of us has a different personal thing we're trying to combat so like for me one of the things that i combat is bullshit um 
that's the very first phase of our of our podcast, the dish section, which is hekas, hekas este bullshit, which literally means be gone, be gone, all bullshit. I mean, if you use the old barbarous words, but bar, 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 um, the, the definition, the way that they explain that those words are translated is be gone, be gone, everything that is, and then we say bullshit. For me, bullshit is e- most easily defined as people who try to control the narrative so as to follow their own ambition um, to to get people to believe what they're saying, persuade them by controlling how things are understood, reality revision, um, gaslighting, and so on and so forth, which happens a lot in all forms of human community that are small and isolated, but especially in communities where people are taught to believe and um, when they're when they are expected to surrender disbelief. But here's the thing: magic is initiatory. And you can't experience it properly if you are busy second-guessing it the entire time you're doing it. So literally, you have a catch-22. The beautiful, magical, wonderful experiences that I have had based on my experiences with magic and the initiatory processes of mystery in this community are challenged by the fact that a lot of times when I've interacted with those same mysteries it's been with very toxic unhealthy people or people who are manifesting toxic behaviors because they didn't have a handle on their bullshit and they were trying to get other people to agree with that particular perspective for example when people say things like um Felix we've brought up I think in this group the whole um like uh, reincarnation thing that happens in pagan circles, yes? Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> I've reblogged that to bad occult advice. Um, the, the, I, I have realized that I am an angel and I had blonde hair and blue eyes, and then someone is like, oh, yes, I remember you. I was an angel with brown hair and I had purple wings. And, like, suddenly everyone is just a reincarnated angel. Well, actually, what I was talking about is that weird, creepy thing that covens do where they tell you that you have been reincarnated as. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, that one too. Your astral yeah. family forever and always, and that you've always oh, been. Oh, yeah, a part the, of the, the forever astral family. Yeah, that's it, happened to me, I think, three times now. Right, and it's happened to me on a number of occasions. And Anytime someone brings it up now, I just get like the really face, you know, that seriously. Um, but they they tell you, you know, oh, well, we are a reincarnated clan of magical people who have been gathered together as a soul group across the ages, and we have always been a part of things, except meant not, to be. We've been meant to be, and we will continue to reincarnate. But not that guy over there because he's a jerk, and I kicked him out. Yeah, don't listen to anything he says, even though some of the things that he uh, obviously came up with are intrinsically part of the things we're doing. Embedded in the narrative that we keep telling you. And by the way, five minutes ago, he was he was like the main guy for such and such, but he did something I didn't like, or he wouldn't do something I he wanted. He was technically the co-founder, but now he's all wrong. This has like, literally happened to me on multiple occasions in this area that are part of my PTSD. That kind of thing happens a lot. And you may not even realize how often it happens. One of the worst times it happens is when people develop a strategy to deal with a particular issue, some sort of magical thing. I'm having nightmares. They're about dead people. I believe 
it might be about my psychic gifts waking up. I don't know, but I want to find out. So I'm going to assume that it is, which is what you do anytime you're doing an experiment. You, you make a pre presumed um, hypothesis and you start following it out to see if it works, if it pans out. But at some point, you're getting kind of nebulous answers and so you turn to other people and start talking to them about their experiences to see if what you're thinking is real and maybe the information you get is mixed and your own desire for it to be real to be true is more important than um any i don't know inconclusive data is this are you actually citing a thing that happened on tumblr like a couple years ago i wasn't intending to i'm citing something that has happened to me in person with people that i know yep like that like and and i've actually seen the same pattern in other places too but i was just making sure okay <laughs> so then you have this thing where um at some point people stop caring about whether or not um there is any other evidence they think that they've got enough evidence and they've decided that this is true for your personal practice, that doesn't matter. I mean, for the rest of us, we are, we're not going to give a crap about it. For you, it matters. It's very central and crucial. So then you start, at some point, teaching others. Maybe you've joined a group and everybody's asked to share. Maybe you're opening a class or you're um, interested in proving yourself to the rest of the community so you're offering uh, like a teaching circle or just advice. Maybe you're just coming into places where you want to feel like you belong and you're a part of things so whenever a subject comes up where you've had any sort of a thought on the on the matter you're opening your big mouth whatever it is and this happens all the time these sorts of things get turned into rules into like laws into this is the way the universe works for everyone and so then you say oh you're having nightmares about the dead you're having premonitions you don't say I wondered if maybe I was having premonitions back in, you know, 1994 when this was happening to me, you know, 2006 when this was going on. Uh, and my results were inconclusive, but I always wondered if that was happening in this one case is really interesting. You don't go through the full explanation. You say, this is what is happening and this is how it works. You don't say, I had an experience with the divorce of my ex-husband that says that a lot of the things that were happening to him as a result of the divorce and my finally separating from him seemed very kismet and seemed very kind of like divine justice like his lawyer fired him and all this other stuff happened and it was very clear that he was a big douchebag and it, and three different events happened that really hammered home to me the whole wiccan law of three what you do comes back times three you you think this and you go this is my evidence this is my anecdote this is my proof but you don't say that you say the law of three is a real thing and that's all that's all there is you have a personal anecdote that validates your belief and so that is all there is and i see that and those sorts of things as snails and i want to throw buckets of salt on them and watch them dissolve and scream to death and die i i like that because a lot of the fighting in community does end up being over ideologies yes and whose ideology controls the narrative of the group especially because the ideologies are attached to somebody's sense of their own identity yes and this is my thing and i know that i i know that i'm not a nice person so you can't really make me upset about this i know it's not nice but when someone starts using the force of their personality to push this so identity centric belief 
upon the environment to try to demand that this is how the world works, my natural instinct is to destroy it and destroy their, the sense of identity that they gain from it, to wreck their ability to do it again. Because I know witches, and when a witch believes something very firmly, she can use her powers to make it true in a sort of way. She can make mm -hmm. people believe it, or she can affect fate so that it seems to be validated by omens and by weird luck. She has the ability to do this, and I won't be controlled by other people's magic. I refuse to allow people to use their magic on me to control me. So it's it, I've gotten paranoid in my in my dotage here. I am 36, so you know. Anyways, um, which means that you know I'm I'm essentially dead. Um, I'm even older than you are. I'm already in the grave. <laughs> you are okay. You're about a foot closer to the grave than uh, than I am because you're a month. That old. means more goth. Oh, <laughs> yes, you are a month a month's worth of more goth than me. Yes. Yes. Bitch. All right. So <laughs> so that's for me. That's what I mean by bullshit. When when we're throwing salt on things, that's what I mean. What about you, Felix? Bullshit. All right. So um, I wanted to talk about how this is an actual healthy thing about communities. Cause we do actually have some things in this discourse that are like you know good things about community. Yeah, I've talked a little bit about it already. Um, community is where I can go and actually ask about whether a book is worth getting. And I don't mean like Tumblr tosses around these lists of like here's authors that you should never read, um, here's uh, books that you should never get. And I'm like, if if it's a list of hey here's here's some shit about this book. And it, it, I say it's true shit. I'll read. I'll read that post, and then I'll actually check references and stuff. Right. Um. And if that's true, it's like okay. Thanks for letting me know because now I know not to like really invest my hopes heavily in that book. Right. Like you know, because I'm actually informed about something. That's a post that actually informs. But like just a straight up list of oh, avoid all these authors because they uh, do problematic things. Like and we've th that's every book. That. Yeah, we we've mentioned that yeah. already. Exactly. That that's every book. That's every author. That's every person. I'm sorry. There are no non-problematic people on this planet, yourself included. Yeah, so, but what I find helpful with community is that the difference between those posts is that usually I won't find a post that actually goes into details like that. Instead, I'll find it out from a friend that I'm talking to. Right. You know, like from other people I know in this community who also know the same weird shit that I do. Like, that's how I find out about, you know, new new projects that um, I can back on Kickstarter. That's how I find out about, like, new books that I wouldn't he have heard of because the, the publisher is independent and tiny. Right. Um, it's also how I find out, like, hey, you know, like, this one part in this, this book is, is okay, but otherwise I don't think it's really, you know, worth investing in. And also, hey, I could loan you this book for a little bit if you want, because that's another thing that can happen. Right. Although, I'll, I'll say caveat... Do not loan out your books to anybody you don't trust. <laughs> um, I don't lend out my books. I don't lend out books. If I see somebody who needs a particular book um, that I personally value, um, I will buy it for them and give it to them before I will lend it to them. I will lend um, a good percentage of the books on my shelf. There's a couple that are not leaving here that that are, without me holding it. You know, like basically all these Zoanon press books. Right. Well, I'm especially fond of those, but there are some books that I have that are out of print, and there are some covers that have been redone, and I liked the original cover. And there are some like 
book buying has become a lot easier in the last like five years or so um it's like it's easier to get a hold of the copies of out of print books that you really like um especially if you do some magic to make sure it it's in your price range right which is not hard to do is it felix yeah it's not that's <laughs> kind of how i like i'm literally just gonna say this like this is how i have viridarium umbris exactly <laughs> um but the thing is um like i won't lend my books to people i won't let them leave with my books because they don't come back and i enchant my books um it's been a habit of mine since i was a kid and my siblings used to get into my books um every single one of my books is enchanted with a spell that hexes people or messes with them if they try to steal the book if they try to hurt the book if they don't return it in a timely manner um like it causes them mischief and so i just don't lend them out anymore because i've lost several friends this way <laughs> just been a thing um although probably the worst magic so good <laughs> yeah it, it, it's probably like probably the worst experience that any of anyone i know ever had with them that person's still a friend of mine and they are very close to me like i i think i think that kind of validated something for her actually anyway we move on but um yeah, so you wouldn't you wouldn't have these experiences without community. So when it comes to um, good things about community, um, the community does help eliminate ignorance if you've got the right community if, and you and you know who you're asking. Right. Like you do actually have to understand, like to really understand um, what you can learn from a person in your community. You need to be around this community for a while like you have to invest a lot of time in community before you can really get a lot out of it i think like you can get you can get early things out of it fine but like to to get deeper knowledge that you know this person has the creds for like that can take some time i think that you're right there i think that part of the cost is time and research um and which kind of like leads us to the next thing because one of the big things that you have to watch out for with that is the echo chamber you have to watch out for the for the group of people who all agree with each other about stuff like i was just saying to people uh, i was just saying on this a little bit ago that um i have a circle of trusted individuals that i personally work well with and we all have morality that agrees with each other and that's not what i mean here it's not about um your sense of right and wrong that that shouldn't there that, that that uh that creates an echo chamber it's more about um ideologies and um like the other kinds of beliefs that sneak in the ideas of how the world works and the ideas of uh basically cult behavior the second phase of our podcast is focused on echo chamber azarak and we make fun of the fact that we're going to talk about things that are totally true and totally things that we believe in you know just this is all stuff that's accurate and we're right and other people are wrong because by making fun of it we call it out and make it very clear in a way that doesn't offend people because we're focusing it on ourselves that makes people aware that this is a thing that people do we will say this is true because i've decided it's true is it true well reality will tell but will you even notice and that's the problem with the echo chamber you have to get outside of the people always telling you that that you're right you have to get outside of the people all saying the same thing that you're saying um you have to get outside of that in order to see reality i know this is not a very popular or favorable opinion that people have a very popular perspective at least not among non-douchebags but the um 
the whole like there's this whole debate and argument that goes on online a lot wherein douchebags use the concept of freedom of speech in America to claim the fact that they have a right to be douchebags that they have a right to be monstrous that they have a right to be assholeish and that any of us telling them that they're wrong and stupid and should shut up um, are silencing their freedom of speech rather than using our own um, and instead we're the problem and they try to reverse the tables on us you're oppressing them exactly suddenly you're the abuser and they're the victim which is the whole point that was the whole rhetorical point i hope everybody knows that when they do that they're doing it with a d deliberate set of instructions they're doing it to undermine you and make you weak um but there is one part of why they do that that causes it's the reason why it actually works on us when it does is because there is part of what they're saying that can be useful and when reasoning things out and that is the ability to perceive things and interact with things that are outside of your comfort zone and study things that you don't agree with that doesn't mean you have to change your mind and agree with them but it does mean that you have to be willing to learn from them um, Sarah Silverman's doing a really good thing on that right now. She's going across America talking to people who do not agree with her, do not agree with her politics, voted for Trump, and worse. Um, not that there's much worse. But she's going across the country, interacting with these people, and showing that they can bridge the gap and interact with each other while not changing her politics and making it funny. She's making it very clear, y'all are not right in the head when you say these things, but I'm not going to treat you like you're evil. I'm going to talk to you and try to figure out what the fuck. This is actually really wise. Being able to entertain and interact with um, people's perspectives while not necessarily allowing yourself to change your mind about it uh, is a really good way of staying abreast of what's going on in the world and being able to interact with it. Unfortunately, in pagan communities, that is extra hard. It's extra hard because of that whole control the narrative concept. I cannot tell you how many times I've had a conversation with somebody where they have literally told me to stop talking because the things that I was saying were upsetting their viewpoint on how the world works and they just cannot handle it. Um, these are the people that you are neighbors with. These are the people that I am, that I work with or that I hang out with or that I, um, that I talk to regularly online um, because they live locally and I, they're friends with my sister, you know, that kind of stuff. These are people I've interacted with in person or people that I regularly interact with on an intimate or close level. And they can't handle dealing with this. And when they all get together and they start talking and start reha rehashing out their beliefs, you end up with things like cult behavior where people believe things and punish those who don't believe them. Where they draw you in, force you to become dependent upon them, codependency is a major problem in the community, and then punish you if you stop interacting with them on the level that they desire. If you stop agreeing with them, if you stop doing the things that they want, they punish you. So I've seen enough of that that out came the salt mines and I brought out a, like a barrel full I, I brought out an entire freaking cart full of salt for that particular process I wanted to make it very clear that anybody who believes that echo chamber equals truth that 
everything that we are saying together is true because we believe it's true and anybody who disagrees with us is not only wrong but should be punished for being wrong they get salt thrown at them all of them and unfortunately it happens on every side of a discussion there are people who are so excessive in their zeal about a particular cause even causes i agree with like the cause of feminism um the cause of like anti-bigotry towards people of all nationalities and races people of all of all genders and gender affiliations um people of all sexual orientations and all religious practices that are positive um because there are crazy cults like scientology um like all of these kinds of things like i am very firmly on the side of of these issues i'm very firmly on the side of people being treated with respect no matter where they come from people being cared for abusers being uh punished or 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 neutralized um hopefully both because i am more than a little malicious when it comes to the whole vindictive vindictive side <laughs> um but I also have to be reasonable and rational on how I approach this sort of stuff, and I run into an awful lot of zeal from people whose politics I agree with, whose approach to it is literally destructive on the same level of like of vitriol that the people that are their detractors are producing. Mind you, not as abusive as some of the horrible human rights abuses that you run into, and I do draw that line. But... I run into that a lot and in the pagan community I run into that way even more often because these people use their magic to communicate it. They throw spells on people for no reason other than that person said something shitty to me and I didn't like it about the political candidate I was voting for. And as someone who is very firmly comfortable with the idea of cursing Trump. Um, and as someone who has laid curses on people who supported Trump, uh, I gotta tell you, there is a line. There is a line you have to follow. There are people out there who are innocent of the kind of thing that we're throwing at them. They are creating a problem, and we need to address it in education and in support and in change rather than in vitriol and violence. We need to protect the victims and make sure that there aren't any new victims. And so that's why... I, why I approach the way that I do with this. Help people understand how to get free of the echo chamber so they can see things for how they are and make the world better. Anyway, so that was my political like interjection for the evening, I think. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm like, I'm right there with you because this is like, um, we're coming up on a year since Ugh. Trump was elected. <gasps> Like, and I just want to, I want to say that, like, it's kind of a historic thing to even say on a podcast episode in a way. So like, like, you know, the future generations will be like, oh, that's when that happened there in 2017. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Like 2017 has been a fuck. It has been a year since Ragnarok. But there's been some good times too. But how, like how much, like this has just been one shit ton of a year and yeah so maybe we need to do like a new podcast called surviving armageddon (laughs) yeah i think we need to to let's do that maybe hit that in september or like not september december um but like maybe do like a new like whole new series on helpful tips on surviving the world that you have just been brought into because of the antichrist on the throne yeah i just like i needed a moment of acknowledging like hey you know things have been super cray cray more like this has been um 
a levels of just chaos that I have not witnessed before, and I'm a Discordian. <laughs> Uh, um, and there's only so much of this that I've really been able to be like, yeah, there's like a lot of it. I've just been like, eh, <laughs> I want to go to bed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Maybe that just comes from being like, you know, a 36 year old Discordian. But anyway, um, I wanted to talk about something that feeds a lot of cult behavior in communities. Um, we have this especially because of online community now this idea that everything about you needs to be listed in your profile yes um so that they know um you know what what kind of magic you do and um whether you believe in the law of three uh, whether you're a wiccan or not um um a lot about people's gender identity and and sexual identity um some of which like makes sense and sometimes it's put in a way that I'm like, I'm not like sure if we were here for this discussion. I was here to look at model cars, <laughs> um, but but on, like, but if they're like supportive of like social justice stuff, I still get kind of that thrill of, yay, you're for this. You just look real awkward. Um, right. Like this idea that we have to have a badge on our social media profile that tells you everything that you need to know about me before you can interact with me or exactly Um, or it's not real yeah like and also we've got fake people like we literally have fake people on the internet now not just because of like you know stuff that's happening through russian hackers which was a Um, thing that was weird that was a thing, but, like, this was always something that was happening, like, from, like, you know, people who were hanging out in 4chan to just, like, people in fandom who were just trying to spy on each other. Right. Like, yeah, people have always Humans used... are shady. Yeah, things have always been shady. But, yeah, so online brings this extra level of scrutiny to people, and it also means that it's very easy to character smear someone very fast. It's true. Um, especially if you just get, like, if you amass just the right army of people who will just agree with you in a big flurry, and if this is on social media, it's a very easy way to just get somebody to leave, because it's very easy to gang up with on, on somebody on social media. The thing that I've noticed with all of that is the only benefit to that whole, like, um, you know, my, my folks against you kind of a thing, that whole, like, band together to drive someone out thing is... The people who do it feel self-satisfied. Like, they feel like they have succeeded in cleansing the world of evil, but in reality... Yeah, yeah, they look like they're, like, you know, king villain on his mountain throne. Right, they're all, like, smug and stuff like that, but then, like, they forget that the world that they're in is a tiny little, like, goldfish bowl, and they have not succeeded in expunging the devil from the world. All they have managed to do was sweep out a little, like, space of a particular thing that they are trying to get rid of, and people continue to exist. And, like, they, like, the codependent thing, the weird kind of codependent cultic thing that people do is the only things that exist are the things that we allow in. And so they are super exclusive and they close their ranks and they do that whole village thing from M. Night Shamwow's movie. You know, where it's like... I think that 
one reason why this gets so bad on like say tumblr is like the community that i the social network that i interact with the absolute most right. um on tumblr everything is public like you have technically private blogs but they're they don't they're not set up in a way that you could really have a community going um if you want to have any kind of community in which you interact with other people's posts and um, reblog things back and forth and have discussions and replies and um, invite any kind of outside discussion whatsoever. Like you're doing it all in public blogs, and there's no way to separate, you know, your discussions from the rest of entire Tumblr's discussions. Which means that if you've got one community of this sect of paganism, um, or like basically if there's a sect of paganism, you will have this community that decides they only want to have want to have one community of that sect. Right, and like on Tumblr, and it has to follow their determination of how everything works. Yeah, you have to believe all the same same things that they believe, and if you don't, then you need to get off of Tumblr because on Tumblr there's no way to put up a wall right. and have two of these. On LiveJournal, you like, could and I can't believe I, I was saying this. LiveJournal did this so much better. <laughs> I know. I was just thinking, like, I remember this happening during LiveJournal, and it was so much easier to just siphon things off into like a separate thread that was private and if you weren't if you're not invited to this little like lj group you can't see it um yeah you could have a closed hidden community but you still have like a hundred people in it right um you can technically still do this on dream with right for the record if anybody bothers cares to do that which i don't know who anyone who does i know one person yeah, now setting this stuff up is effort yeah i don't even want to um but anyways i uh it's interesting that you should mention that like because that was something that was like i've seen go on on tumblr in like five or six different like like uh groups and, and special interest areas that i've been a part of like the geekomancy community is connected to the pop culture magic community and the pop culture magic community is connected to the pop culture paganism community and the pop culture paganism community narrative can sometimes be really toxic and it it not only infringes upon some of the the uh, geekomantic subjects that we can get into just because they they want to control the narrative on it, but they also can be actively destructive to the practice of magic because of their opinions on things. Um, there, because they they believe enough about certain kinds of spirits or something that even discussing certain kinds of behaviors or certain kinds of rituals or certain kinds of uh, mechanics and it's on a purely mechanical level i'm not even talking about something that goes into subjects like i don't know um canon or uh hell like so so they're basically very proprietary over the entire domain of it. the idea of this is how things work like i have gotten so tired of hearing the word tulpa I've gotten so oh my tired. god! I've gotten so tired of hearing it because I'm like I studied some tantra. I'm familiar with Vedic scripture. I've interacted with people who are Indian who actually this is a part of their belief systems. And I asked them like, "What's a tulpa? Tell me what you know." And they're like, "Uh, not much, because very few few people even know." And they're like, "Go look at this thing over here, and go talk to that person over there. Maybe they'll know more." Because it's not actually the thing that people think it is. For the same reason that yep. I get tired of hearing the word karma, but like in the geekomancy community. Yeah, stop and like I ran into word. this. Uh, you you got you got your answers on Tulpa in such a like a legit way, and I'm like so impressed because what I did is I basically just Googled it. Well, like, you can do that. I mean, it's not hard to do, although you don't get a whole lot of definitive answers. 
Um, I like I well I so I have like kind of um, magic information finding powers. You do. You have a superpower, and I kind of so that's so that's, that's how I managed to Google that. I admire. <laughs> but that's the thing, like, and they haven't even done that much. I mean, like, I I know this. Maybe I'm maybe I'm overestimating people a little bit. It's hard to criticize tulpas in the pop culture magic community. I will tell you that. Well, it, like, you can't say it. I mean, like, you can't just offer criticism because they'll leap on you. And I would rather say something useful than say something bitchy any any day of the week. It's just that it's so hard not to say something bitchy because so often something useful to say would be the bitchy comment. It's difficult because I'll see a post soar by and I'm like, that is the exact opposite of what... I know to be true on that subject, right. but I have to think, do I want to get on this or not? Right, and Because the only way to respond on Tumblr is to rebut a post. Precisely, and then you get into the discourse, which is so awful. That's the reason why we call this the discourse section. Anyway, um, the, yeah, so like the whole topic thing, was, though, like, even having that conversation uh, like, just is impossible because separate from the from the cultural appropriation side of it which is a thing it is absolutely a thing the mechanics side of it are also a thing and you can't have either conversation with anybody about it because they are determined to control every ounce of that narrative and it makes me nuts and when i say they the people i am talking about are probably people who are friends with people who are listening right now uh, I know that we have some followers who have to be familiar with this because I've got a lot of um, a lot of our followers I'm, are from the Geekomancy community. I'm a bit familiar with it, and like so, we're having a conversation about it right now. Like I'm like, you have no idea how happy I am to be having this conversation because I've never <laughs> been able to find anybody who I could actually talk to oh, about it's this. So frustrating. <laughs> So I want to like say that I think that the mechanic that people are using to do what they're calling tulpa is a real mechanic. I see. I just think that it's kind of a tragedy now that it, the same word for it is being used for something that has nothing to do with it. And that. I'm actually really frustrated because I don't know if it's a mechanic or not, if it's a real mechanic or not, because all of my experiences have not have been results inconclusive. I'm aware that there are things that exist out there, like and. The, for those of you who are like like kind of not really sure what a tulpa is um, it's too much to explain right now um, so in the chaos magic community as far as I can tell it's basically thought a thought form, form like a servitor like an egregore there are all these different terms that people use to refer to this thing that they're talking about which is basically a, like a created spirit but here's, yeah. here's the thing and this is the thing that bugs me. Tulpas are actually more complicated than just a, a created servitor. Servitors are actually more complicated than most people make them out to be. Kabbalistic term egregore actually has more meaning than people realize. It specifically translates to created watcher, and it's linked to stuff. And if you don't know what stuff it's linked to, like what powers the thing and makes it work, you're not making an egregore. And likewise, the whole concept of this uh, created spirit thing, the thought form idea, might be a thing, might not be a thing. Um, it is based on the ideology question of whether or not fictional realities or um, imagination-centered realities that we experience through our, our spirit uh, 
projection, meditation, etc., are real or not. And and this is where I get very interested in discussions, but never get to have right. them because nobody's ever very reasonable about this. I also feel that it's not just whether they're real or not; it's what kind of reality are right, they? Right, exactly. Are they real? Because that is like ten to twenty di- to maybe a million different groups have different ideas on that. It's so frustrating. I want to have a conversation, a frank conversation with somebody about this and talk to people who have expertise on the subject but every time it gets brought up even in the smallest way which my favorite way to bring it up is not to critique someone else's statement but make one of my own unique creative statements like make a post that's original um and then yeah i i I try to do that as much as i can But you know what they do when you do that and it's something that challenges their thoughts too much they just ignore it Actually, I've had uh, someone get in an altercation with me. I've had that happen too, I and I that. actually appreciate it when they actually bother to say something to me, but I've realized that I'm intimidating, and so when I do this and they don't respond, I realize that this is their way of punishing me for having an opinion they don't like. Yeah, see, there's a difference between someone responding and, and someone having an altercation. Right, like um, a hostile. That's when they're like, they come in trying to start shit. Whereas, you know, just like, you know, following up and saying, hey, I saw you responded that, but, and I think that might be about my post, and actually I want to, like, talk about this with you, and then you feel awkward, but then you have a conversation, and it's actually a good conversation, and you like this person. Right, but that's a, that's <laughs> a discussion, and that's lovely. What? That's real community. That's when you're actually interacting with a person. Well, okay. That's, and not an ideal. Yeah, but then what you really get most of the time is people being either like violent, like you know, making statements about your mother, or um, like or they 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 shun you. I uh, you know it's just so frustrating. Anyway, um, the danger of that happening is definitely clear and present. Right, and so this is not an isolated event in any community. It happens in every form of interest group. Um, people who are involved in the fandom communities know about it. People who are involved in various different kinds of woo-woo communities. Everything from conspiracy theorists over to the other kin people, over to... Also activism communities. Activism communities, politics, for any reason. This happens all the goddamn time. I have personally seen it in my in my life in person. Like, not online, but in person. I've personally seen it in the Norse reconstructionist communities in the Anderson Ferry tradition um, communities I've seen it in Wiccan communities that I've been a part of I've seen it in Tradcraft communities all over the place I've seen it in large eclectic groups of paganism I've seen it in groups that are focused on particular kinds of practice for example necromancy or divination Um, I've seen it everywhere we so it's just it's ugly when it happens and there is this expectation afterwards that like these unfair unrealistic expectations that are meant to try to make people agree with your your position like that profile transparency thing that you were talking about felix these things are people trying to force the rest of the world to agree with them when you fucking know you're not right you know you're not right even if the opinion you had had justification in it the way you have chosen to pursue this is not right and that is literally that's my salt y'all fucking know you're not right you know what you're doing is wrong you know what you're doing is not healthy it's not good stop fucking doing it and that's what my salt is like i throw that into every recipe 
That is usually what I do want to to yell into the void that is social media. <laughs> exactly. And sometimes into the void that is community. Really, and that's the problem and with I, it. That is, like, community is a beautiful thing. I, Sorry, I keep interrupting. I, I wanted... I, like, I think there's a very important distinction that we have found through, like, what you just described. Um, so, we've talked at some points in this podcast about um, problems that can happen in witch communities because they're witches. Yes. But this is a problem that can happen in witch communities because we're also humans. Because we're peoples. Exactly. Yeah. And you know what? Uh, as a person who genuinely believes we are not alone in the universe, I very sincerely doubt that the, that other species don't do this too. Perhaps I've watched too much Bab 5 in Star Trek, but seriously. I think that a major distinction in this age versus in like other ages of witchcraft is that um, we are so globally connected and, and via social media as well um, at once. Like, it's just the, the things can happen so fast now. Yes. News can happen so fast. Events can happen so fast because we are just like we are so connected so so quickly. Yes, at our this technology point. and our our and our, so, our social Bet- and cultural like and political shit. We are very yeah. connected. I agree. Between com- communications and also bet- between travel, because you can just get to these places so much faster. I mean, like it used to be a big deal in the magic community that you traveled to India. I know, right? I like like that was like I, part of your life savings. I still react that way. My brother is a Vaishnavist. He's a uh, he's involved in what they call the Hare Krishnas. He traveled to India twice in like the last three years. Uh, my brother, who has no goddamn money, I was like, <laughs> how? <laughs> like he went and he did a pilgrimage, and I'm just like, dude, sign me up with your travel agent. Holy crap. Um. But he, I will say that is still significant. But like, at, at like you know, basically the Crowley era, um, <laughs> if you traveled to India, it was basically to find out what Hindu was about because that was the only way you're going to be able to do it. Which, to be fair, is still kind of true for certain things, but only it's it's less true than it used to be. Yeah, it's like well, it it it's easier now to to get places the reason they were able to even travel in the first place is because of like british colonialism right um but like there was a time when it was just so significant that you were able to go um learn something that now is much easier to obtain um that like having some sort of swag in your community is not really about that anymore right and honestly i think that maybe like the current the current mode people are not really sure what the swag is which is interesting to me because communities often have um structures built around status symbols and um they don't have any that are really terribly present right now like you get into the trad crafty community for example they're still very given towards the idea of magical scholasticism even though they know, they know now, they are very well aware that that history and historical documents are not written by us and cannot be used for accurate portrayal of traditional witchcraft, even when they're supposed to be, like, on it. So what they've decided to do is basically be the ones doing the studies. They're going to be the ones who study it, so that that way the book is being written by one of us, so we know it's being written well, and all the really juicy shit is going into their coven. Um, 
we that's how trad crafters think um but their sense of, of status comes from creating little internal things like the zoanan publishing is all essentially a status symbol publishing company they publish shit that they think is amazingly good um stuff that's very valuable very well researched etc very um expansive and written in the right mode of speech and and decorated and created in the right way you know they're grimoires that kind of thing and so they're worth having on your shelf and that's a status symbol having one of them is a status symbol i am part of three community groups that actually consider these to be status symbols to the point where owning one made people decide to talk to me when before they would not give me the time of day which is in my opinion obnoxious but there you are but i i know that from the ceremonial community but the modern traditional witches that i run into like the people who have been into it and brought into it in the last i want to say 10 years uh they don't have those kinds of status symbols because they're like i'm not feeding capitalism you know or they're like i have i have work to do i'm too busy so there's no status symbol established for people to achieve supremacy which is entertaining to me as somebody who is like who kind of like didn't care about that to begin with um no monetary status symbol that's the thing though like a lot of trad crafters are are you know financially destitute people who are very comfortable you know digging around in the roots and that's what they're going to do with their life I like so many of them are just literally the definition of grassroots. Um, they, you know, their their idea of magic is I speak to the devil probably once a month out in the woods, and that's their magic. And there are no status symbols for it. They don't run blogs because they think it's like pretentious. They they avoid pretension in all cases. And when they meet other trad crafters, especially the old guard trad crafters who are not a part of their personal lineage or background or whatever, they are completely unimpressed. And it is entertaining as fuck to me. So, uh, yeah. So that is really entertaining to me in general. Um, Oh god, our communities are so awkward. They are, because we're in a new millennium, and we don't have an understanding of what elitism is anymore. So the last bit of our podcast is the Celtic Crosshairs, where we do divination. And um, I'll introduce that in just a second, but I want to point out something. Crosshairs for us is very specifically focused um, scrutiny. It's the idea of using your salt to draw attention to something and deliberately debunk it while also allowing magic to remain so that people don't think that all of the things we just talked about the bullshit and ignorance and all that kind of crazy is necessary um we do divination and we do it in fun goofy ways to draw attention to the fact that you don't have to be a serious crazy person about doing divination um we focus on questions that are often not questions people want to ask or answer and we're very comfortable with doing that. We do things like summon demons while we do our divination because we don't care. Like And deface our cards. We, oh my god. We break the rules so people will know that you can do that as part of your magic. Make it part of your magic. Don't don't make it a thing that stops your magic. Um so literally we're debunking things we're debriefing people on information and helping them get to the bottom of stuff and we're demystifying while also keeping things mystical um plus felix you had something kind of that you always like to focus with when you're doing divination what is that um 
I do not remember. Well, you were telling me, um, like the other day when we were talking, you were telling me that you like to do gossip through your divination practices. You know, like you enjoy snooping, which oh, uh, I do um, too. Gosh. gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I just outed you. <sighs> so the thing is, back then I thought I was going to be using the gossipy deck, but I actually ended up choosing a different deck than I thought I was going oh, to use. Oh, for tonight? Yep. Well, it's still true, and, you know, even so, like, we both of us are a bunch of gossipy old biddies. So, like, when I want to know something about someone, and this is like, you know, if you're in a metaphysical community, you're going to have to guess that people are using divination on you to, to suss you out, which is one good reason to just fucking say the right, truth. Right, just be honest, because people will find out the truth anyway. And, I mean, this was... And be upfront that if they try to poke into your life, there's going to be a bunch of demons staring at them, and usually they don't bother to like look at you. And, which, and in in yeah. my opinion, one of the best lessons that that teaches you is to remember that you're not the only person who knows how to throw tarot cards. Yeah, like you you've always got to to assume that everyone else is armed, basically. Right. So when we do divination that's gossipy, we're like, oh, let's look in on the situation with this girl and her romance. You know, um, yeah, we can do that, which means you can do that, which means so can people who don't like you. Um, which means that you should probably remember that at all times, because magic is real. Magic comes from reality. Anyways. And then, and we always try to focus on proactive solutions when we do our divinations. We, we focus on tactical information. You know, okay, so is your boyfriend cheating on you? Yes. What are you going to do about it? Well, you're not going to bust the windows out his car. It's not going to help. But you might take a picture over here. You know, we're trying to help you strategize. We're trying to, because that's how we do for ourselves. We think in terms of practical solutions. All right, so let's move on to Celtic Crosshairs. But before we do that, why don't we go ahead and have Felix tell you some information? All right, so if you want to ask a question for Celtic Crosshairs, you can go to circlesaltpodcast.tumblr.com slash ask and stick a question in that ask box. Um, it, we like it if you give us a handle, and I keep forgetting to mention this whenever I put out the call for questions. Um, we like to, for you to, to give us a handle that's kind of like a an ask column handle, right. like, you know, waiting in, in Wisconsin or... And if you don't, we'll come up with one and you'll know what it is. Yeah, because we don't want... To, we basically don't want to read your username out on the podcast. Right, we don't want to be outing people to everything. Although, I bet if people wanted to do some divination, they could probably find out who asked that question pretty easily. I mean, if you want to be a paranoid witch, it's very easy. But, <laughs> basically, we don't want to send people up into your inbox. Right. So, um, And also, like some people ask things that do seem kind of private. Right, know, or time-sensitive. Public podcast. Like, <laughs> so, some questions that you guys ask are great questions that we could only feel comfortable answering in a professional capacity, like as readers, not on a public podcast. So if you asked us so that you could get a free reading... Uh, you're gonna be disappointed, and I and like I'm not saying it's it's your fault for not knowing that because it is very hard to suss no, out. And that's like what that's is the difference? That's never gonna and be a position we take. It's not your fault. We're just gonna tell you. It's just our job to let you know what our boundaries are when it comes Precisely. to that. Okay, so what do we have for our very first question? Yeah, I'm going to take the first three questions that we got because we ended up with uh, quite a few, and this has already run pretty it has. long. Um, so, 
Let's see. And there's one of these questions I've already answered okay. um, uh, privately to the person, so it doesn't, it doesn't it's not pertinent. need to be answered. Cool. All right. Um, so this person uh, goes by unglued about gods. Unglued about and I recently felt like a deity may have positively intervened in my life and helped me find something very important that I had lost as a result of me letting go of a meaningless grudge. Was this really a deity or just wishful thinking on my part? Hmm. By the way, I love your show and all that you do. Love. Okay. Unglued about gods. So, we're trying to find out if this is a deity. Yes? Is this deific intervention? Well, I will take a look and see what they have to say. Oh. <laughs> That's awkward. Let's see how awkward we can make it. I'm trying to give us a good couple shuffles, so I'm going to talk about the deck that I'm okay, using. Okay, yeah, please do that while you do this. Because this is kind of important to me. Um, I was going to choose one of the decks I know by someone in the community, because I know se I, several decks by this point, um, by different people. Um, but um, I just recently got in the mail the Santa Morte Tarot. Uh-huh. And not only is it beautiful and it is calling to me that I must like shuffle it and read with it, but um, the reason I have this deck is because um, friends of mine that I talked to liked it. Good. And that's a like I discovered it. I discovered really good pictures of it um, on on Tumblr on that community. Like this is a beautiful deck, but it's not something that I would have really sought out. Right. Um, it's not like really my my niche that I would usually go for. But um, like I saw a good review of it, um, and I um, like that convinced me that I really wanted to look into the deck. And then I asked around about it. It got good recommendations. Like because I know good people to ask about these things now. Because like I know enough of the community right. there, like for the interests that I find really important. So it is a, it's a um, deck that to you is associated with the concept of community in general. Yeah. And also like, this is a deck that's basically day of, uh, um, well, it's called book of the dead, but it's like definitely day of the dead themed. Cool. Um, and, but it's, it's not all really gothy memento mori. It's more like very happy skeletons. Well, good. That's actually a day of the dead thing. Yeah, like it's like I do not know a lot about the subject matter, so I cannot evaluate it, but I can report on what it is. Good. Um, so that is the deck that I'm using, and hat tip to Jasmine White for um, her recommendations on this deck. Awesome. Yeah, she is sort of terrible about that because she gets all of us associated with the cool decks that we love. Like in terms of community, she's one of the best connections I've ever made. Um, on Tumblr and in my life, she's responsible for me getting my silhouettes deck. So, I mean, she's the goddess. She of is, and she is a an excellent reason why community is so valuable. Okay, so the deck I'm yes. using is um, Silver Raven Wolf's Rune card deck, uh, which is Rune. Oh, that yeah, one. Deck. Um, and only I'm using this because it was the very first Rune deck that I ever really bonded with, and. Um, it wasn't the first set of runes I had. I used rune stones. But my community, my uh, tradition is the Rissing tradition, and the Rissing tradition is centered around Nordic mysteries, among other roots, Scottish, etc., etc. And the a lot of the intersection that we have come through various Northern and Anglo-Saxon traditions. So the runes are a big deal to us. So mine's a sense of community as well. 
uh, my deck represents that. So I got two answers. They're the same answer. Um, and I'm going to wait till you answer yours because mine is not helpful. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. It's awkward on both ends. So, um, who gets to show their hand first? <laughs> okay, so you're having trouble on yours as well. I'm not having trouble. Uh, okay, so I'll go. Um, <laughs> so I got the Page of Pinnacles and the Five of Wands. Okay. Um, and in this deck, the Page of like the Page of Pinnacles, like the way that this card is framed, it's obviously describing a person, and I think it is the person who is asking. Okay. Um, like unglued about gods is the Page of Pinnacles here, and the Page of Pinnacles is like kind of foraying into the wilderness with a a bag on their shoulder. Right. With like it's like there's some coins happening because a, a pinnacle has to be in each card. It's like the fucking law. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's like you have to show the thing that is your suit on that card very clearly. Yes. Um. But yeah, they're kind of like foraging into the woods to the place that's more dangerous and not less. Right. I got um, similar and the moments. five of the five of wands in this deck is a skeleton that is playing with matches. Oh god. Okay. So, here's the thing. My card that I got, the first answer I got was Hagalaz, which is the the rune of holy fucking crap. You know, chaos, disruption, destruction, all this kind of stuff. It's associated with hell, the the goddess and the place, and it's also associated with wild and tameable forces that you can't control and witchcraft. And its answer to me was, we're not going to answer that question because that person will find out the answer soon enough. This, like, to me, this this page of pentacles is basically saying you are a student, specifically in magic yep. right now. Um, uh, magic and, and, I guess, spirit shit, depending on how you view magic. Um, and you are forging into unknown territory, and you are going to learn um literally the five of wands is basically saying you're going to learn via your own mistakes but this doesn't this is not meant in a bad right. way you get to have the fun of learning through finding out what happens well and that was the other answer that i got which was ingvaz and it specifically said again just wait and see you'll see but ingvaz is associated with Frey, and he's like the most fun loving freaking god so it's it was literally like, just sit back and enjoy the ride. Yeah, because it's the skeleton that's, that's playing with matches. Like he like looks like he's like chill. So I yeah. Um. So I was like, I, right, I'm just gonna go with that. We cannot. I cannot answer your question for you. You're going to have to find out on your own what's going on. I've got the the feeling that if you have any spectators, they have a very interesting view. <laughs> so all right. So let's do the next. Yeah, that's like that's my first reading from this deck, by the way. Like I'm I have not done much with this deck yet. Awesome. Um so let's see. Hi, I love your podcast. I listened to a few episodes so far. Really interesting. Um 
Oh, okay. This person is asking about stuff I do. I'm going to just go ahead and answer. Um, you, Felix, talked about teaching in one episode, but in another I understood that you don't teach classes anymore. Uh, do you have an online course? I do have an online course. Mm -hmm. It is at patreon.com slash Felix Warren. Um, and you can learn how to work with demons and chess and writing magic and creativity um all from the comfort of your own internet <laughs> um it is a, a work in progress you get to kind of learn as i learn things and so sometimes that means that i get to wait a few like wait a bit and process stuff before actually teaching right. it because that would be responsible but um you basically get to learn the same stuff that the demons teach me which is a great sentence to ever come out of somebody's mouth well and now you said this person is mentioning something they're like i'm especially interested in the practical aspect of healing and what you said about prosperity someone told you they do not believe prosperity spells worked so both of us have actually talked about this um and i don't know if felix is the one who said that he doesn't teach classes anymore yeah, because you don't teach classes anymore. I don't anymore, teach classes anymore. But I have an online course. Yeah, and I don't have an online course. I do teach classes in person, and I used to have an online course that I don't teach right now, so maybe there was a confusion with that. But And like, case, I'm not sure about the, the, the practical aspect of healing and what you said about prosperity. Right. Someone told you they do not believe prosperity spells worked. Okay, so the prosperity thing is something that both of us have mentioned at one point or another. I don't know if that's been Yeah, yeah, that's the thing is that both of us yeah. have, could have talked about on that. Multiple time, on um, multiple occasions, we've had people come up and be like, prosperity magic doesn't work, as they're trying to do it. And I'm over here going, you know, just tweak a few... Okay. Um, but anyways... Why don't you want to succeed? The, healing, the um, healing thing, I don't know that necessarily your course covers anything about healing yet. That might be something to include. Yeah, that's the thing is that, like, um, um, no, there, it is possible. Yeah. Um, there are some well there's some there's areas so much, yeah i've like i've done some stuff it's just that like that's um teaching healing is like i'm like thinking aloud on a podcast as we're like talking about this but well, why don't we just say <laughs> teaching healing like i feel it involves like um a lot of there should be a lot of important structure behind right, that exactly and so, that has been my that's not something i would just lightly teach that's been off the my experience of, as well exactly um <laughs> And actually, I do teach a course on that subject, um, but it's in person. And I'm retired from teaching classes. I teach individual lessons um, on that particular subject and only in person. So, all right. Well, let's go ahead and... Um, yeah, that wasn't so much of a divination question, a divination. but everybody has learned yes, something. let's do a divination question here. Here's one. Okay. Um, is it worth trying to get a new job where I can work full time, even though I don't necessarily need the money, and would just would just make us a bit more comfy? And I'll be moving away in a year. Um, also, love the show and y'all are awesome. You. I'm gonna call this person Anime Happy anime Face. Anime Happy Face. Okay. So, is it worth um, happy trying face. to so get basically, a new job? Oh, see, value questions are hard for me, but I'll see what the cards say. Like, yeah, like, what are the benefits of getting a new job where you can work full-time? Okay. And then they shuffled. So the card said to me, yes, sort of. <laughs> um, it is worth it to try to get a new job where you can work full-time. 
Um, however, they want you to know that doing so will connect you to people and that you will end up getting not only the things that you want, but also getting involved in a, in a life change that stimulates a brand new life for you. And um, you're saying you're going to be moving away in a year and the cards are saying, well, if you go get a full-time job, that may come into question. That is interesting. Okay. So I got the moon and death, mm-hmm. um, which is Santa Morte in this deck. Um, and those are like really near each other in like sequence. Uh-huh. <laughs> They're two major arcana, so I'm like, okay then. Um, <laughs> so basically, there's a lot about this situation that you don't understand up front. Yeah, that's similar. Uh, to that's the moon is what gives me that. There's like, there's a lot of illusion right now. Like what you think is going on, um, like what you, what you, what you think is happening in the world is not necessarily what's actually going on but this is not meant in a negative way yeah it's simply that you haven't found out some stuff right or like you're you're seeing some things and you think they mean one thing but they actually mean another but what you're seeing is still there and i think this is very initiatory because you've got like the veil of like the moon um in front of death because you're talking about like big changes coming up that like would totally transform your life right um you and i were like both talking on tumblr today about like you know popular interpretations of the death card and what it actually means right i really liked what you had to say about that whole thing with uh about pop culture not really having the time narrative wise to actually explain how to read cards so they just kind of have to make the shock moment it will be shallow. Yeah. It will it have to be to shallow be. because they, you cannot depend on the audience to interpret I really tarot like for that. you. All right, so so, so that was yeah. our answer. Uh, but I will interpret tarot better than the audience. Yeah, I interpret um, tarot better than and, everyone. Yeah, that's. <laughs> but I mean, that basically wraps it up. Um, the Santo Morte card here, though, I wanted to add since you were talking about how um, leaving in a year may be called into question. Um. There's a crib in this photo. Oh. 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 Um. Wear a condom. <laughs> um, yeah, because also the Santa Morte in this photo is... Or photo. Well, it could be a photo. I mean, how do you... Uh, otherwise, do you take a photo of Santa Morte? Um, <laughs> she is pregnant. Um, yeah, remove that mason jar of semen off of the bedside table. Off of the yeah. nightstand. <laughs> yeah, don't don't leave that there anymore. That's not where it belongs. Um, and why do you have okay. that? <laughs> so can we answer this last question before we wrap up? Yes, we okay. can. So, um, and do you mean the one above I that? I mean, uh, so someone asked this question. Uh, I like Satanism, and I like traditional witchcraft at the same time, but the two talk about two very different versions of the devil. I want to find a happy middle road where I can acknowledge him as both the witch father and as the adversary. How should I go about pursuing this road? This is not a divination question. I don't feel comfortable doing divination for a question like this because it pertains to how you will end up viewing the world. And it also pertains to uh-huh. uh, to um, wisdoms and initiations that a spirit I serve and work with are going to be providing to you so i'm not going to try to talk for them but what i will say is this there are already traditions that reconcile the difference the satanism thing um 
Satanism is more of a philosophy. If you're talking Luciferianism, if you're talking adversary-based Satanism and so on and so forth, rather than like Leveist Satanism, um, it's still a philosophy of rebellion. And that has never been a problem in witchcraft, like witches are rebellious. Um, if you're talking about... Yeah, they're pretty compatible. Right, if you're talking about the, the trad craft, witch's devil, the witch father kind of a thing, that is a being, but that doesn't necessarily mean adversary doesn't also come in. My in interactions with those particular traditions, they do seem to be the same beings or related. So just um, ask, the, ask the devil, and the devil will help you. Yeah, and like, there are quite a lot of different faces that you can bump into there, so there's really no telling what you're going right. to run into. And I and if we don't advise you on this, then we're not going to color from our own background what is going to influence Precisely. you. And that's kind of what I want to avoid, um, personally. I think that like is that? wise. Okay. All right, yeah. well, that wraps us up for the evening. So... That, you know, this was kind of a fairly long podcast. Sorry, guys, we keep doing that. Um, but, you know, we had a lot to talk about as far as this goes, and community is important, so it's cool. But I th Yeah, we have a lot of steam to blow about Tulpas, apparently. apparently. <laughs> okay, but that's us for the <laughs> evening, so, you know, good night, everybody. Yeah, now that we have spread salt all over this entire track, we are closing the circle of salt. Yes. So until next time, may that circle of salt protect Woo! you.